And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went, so they went both of them together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, this is your day. This is the Lord's day. And I'm glad I'm in church this morning. A lot of places I could be. A lot of places, Lord, I should be because of sin. But, Lord, I'm thankful for your grace that I'm in church today. I pray, God, you bless the Scripture, this text. Lord, I really feel like, Lord, you've really uh, just anchored me down in this chapter in recent days, Lord. And so I just want to give you what you've given me. Help us as your people. Get glory to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've been preaching the last couple of services out of Genesis 22. I preached last Sunday morning about that place. What a place. And we tied it to Luke 23:33 when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified Him. But then last Sunday night I began to talk to you and uh, talk about the principle of first mention in the Bible. That principle of first mention is a good way to study your Bible. When you're studying a word in the Bible and you want to find out a good definition, of course there are good Bible dictionaries you can look at and study, but many times you can go to the first time that word is used in the Bible and many times the context and the definition will be found in that verse and it will carry throughout the Word of God. I've been looking at Genesis 22 and there are several first mentions in Genesis 22. I'll give you a couple of them, then I'll emphasize the one that's on my heart today. In verse number 1, we find that for the first time the word tempt is used in our Bible. God did tempt Abraham. Now this word tempt here does not mean a solicitation to sin. James chapter 1 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So this word tempt here, it is not talking about causing somebody to sin but rather it is talking about testing. It is talking about trying or proving. So that is the first time that word is mentioned. And then the first time the word love is used in any shape, way, or form in our Bible, it is in Genesis 22 and verse 2, uh, where he said, Take now thy son Isaac, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. That's the first time uh, that the word love is used in our Bible. And isn't it interesting, we always talk about a mother's love, and I'm not going to argue with that this morning. There's nothing like a mother's love. I get that. But ain't it interesting that the first time that love is mentioned in the Bible, it's not a mother's love, uh, but it's a father's love. And it is a father loving a son. But watch this now. It is a father uh, that has so much love in his heart uh, that he's willing to give his only son uh, so that the will of God and the law of God and the demand of God might be accomplished. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid out his life for his friends. I'm thankful for the love of God. And so then there's another one. We looked at this one Wednesday night in Genesis 22 verse 5. Or excuse me, we looked at it Sunday night. Abraham said, me and the lad, he said, we will go yonder and worship. And the first time the word worship is used in our Bible, it is not on a good day in Abraham 
man's life. It's not on a day where everything's just going perfect and everything's going right in his life. It is possibly the worst day in his life. But Abraham made up his mind. He don't know what God's going to do, but he knows what he's going to do. He's going to go and worship God. I would submit to this congregation today that if you and I will learn how to worship God on the bad days, if we'll learn how to worship God on the difficult days, then we'll have no trouble worshiping God when the sun's shining and everything's going okay in our life. We'll have no trouble doing that. Why? Because we have worshipped Him during the most difficult days in our life. You think Job had a problem in Genesis 42 when God turned that thing around of giving God praise and worship? No, He had no problem. Why? Because in Job 1, He sits down in the ashes when He's lost everything. And He said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. It's the first time the word worship is used in Genesis 22. But there is one I want to emphasize this morning that is another first mention. It is found in our text in verse number 8. Isaac asked a question, verse 7, said we have the fire, we have the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Watch what Abraham says. Verse number 8, My son, God will, here's my word, provide. God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. The first time the word provide is used in our Bible is in Genesis 22.8. Now I want us to note this little word of provide and notice some things around it by way of introduction. First of all, I notice in this word provide there is a comprehension. Here's what I mean by that. Isaac says in verse 7, we've got the wood and we've got the fire, uh, probably some coals in a bucket most likely. And he said, we've got this, but where is the lamb? He knew there was a need. Something that does not need to be provided unless there is a need. Isaac comprehended that there was a need. But I also want to emphasize that not only did Isaac know there was a need, but Abraham knew there was a need. Abraham knew they didn't have a burnt offering. He knows the command of God, but he also believes that God's going to raise up Isaac and according to Hebrews 11, 18, and 19, he believes that. And so Abraham's aware of the need. And Isaac's aware of the need. But there's one other person who is aware of the need. And that was the God of heaven. Amen. And let me remind you this morning... We all have needs. All of humanity has a spiritual need. He's lost. And he needs salvation. He needs it. But may I say this, all the saved, we have needs. We have family needs. We have financial needs. Uh, we have fear issues. We all have needs and things that we deal with. And we know about those things. And we try to share those needs with others and ask them to pray. But aren't you glad this morning uh, that not only do we know we have needs, but there's a God who comprehends. He knows you have bills. He knows you have prodigals. He knows that you have issues. Uh, your trial, your circumstance, your need is not caught God by surprise. Not call God by surprise. There's a comprehension in this. But then there is a capability in this. Look at verse number eight. Abraham says, My son, God. You get that? There's a there's a capability. Here, here's what he said. I know we got a need, but we got a God. 
Amen. Anybody got needs here today? I know I've got needs. Abraham said, Isaac, I know we've got a need up here on this mountain. I know there is a deficiency. I know there is something that we need. But I want to remind you, Isaac, we have a need. But we also have a God. And I want to remind this congregation today, up throughout this building, there are needs. There are burdens. But I want to remind you, we have needs. But yes, but we have a God that knows about our needs. There is a comprehension. There is a capability. There is a confidence. My son, God might. And if you've got a funny Bible, it might say that. God may. No, our King James Bible says, God will. I'm glad He is the God of the will. This speaks not only of His capability, but this gave Abraham confidence that God was able. I'm glad I don't serve a weak, anemic God this morning. I'm glad I don't have one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. I'm glad I'm not sitting in a rocking chair in heaven sipping on Maylocks and trying to calm His nerves. Oh, but He is well able this morning. He is able to exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God is able this morning. He's able to save in Hebrews 7.25. He is able to secure in Hebrews chapter number 3. He is able to sustain. Amen. He is an able God. Amen. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. The confidence, the capability, the comprehension. Then I would emphasize the comfort in verse number 8. My son, God will provide Himself a lamb. For a burnt offering. Now this little phrase is important in our King James Bible because the text does not say that God will provide for Himself a lamb. You see that little for is missing. You know why it's missing? It ain't supposed to be there. The Word says, the text says, God will provide Himself a lamb. That's exactly what He did. John 1, 29, John's a preacher on the banks of the Jordan River and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I don't know if Abraham realized everything he was saying in Genesis 22a, but he took that telescope of faith and he looked out in the future and said, God will provide Himself a Lamb. And one night the Lamb showed up to the shepherds. Amen. Unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Think, you know why He was born in a manger? That's where all... All lambs are born. They're born in a stable. Amen. He was born a lamb. And he died a lamb. Oh, but he rose a lion. And he reigns as a king this morning. That's comforting to me. There's the comfort. But then there's the continuation. So they both, so, so they went both of them together. Now watch this. Abraham's made a statement of faith in verse number 8, Brother Charles. A statement of faith. Meaning, his faith ain't sight yet. He's just believing that God's going to do something. He don't know what God's going to do. He don't know how God's going to work it out. He just, he just believing that God's going to do it. So I'm interested in that last phrase of verse number 8. So they went, both of them, together. I want to preach on that little phrase, God will provide. But if I had a subtitle, here's what I'd say. What are you going to do while you're waiting on Him to provide? We have that comfort. We have that confidence that He is capable to provide. But what are you going to do till he does? There's a lot of people that want to sit on the stool and do nothing. Well, God's going to meet my need, but no, Abraham still has some responsibilities in this text. 
What are you going to do until God provides? I mean, some of you have got fi- uh, uh, financial issues. You've got family issues. You've got health issues. Uh, you know that God is able. You know that God can do things. You you really believe truly in your heart the best of your abilities. Uh, you really believe that God is able uh, to meet your needs. You're believing that God will. Uh, you're trying to honor God. But what are you going to do till He does that? Well, Abraham showed us what to do. So they went, both of them, together. Three things in the text. Number one, while Abraham was waiting on God to provide, his walk did not change. He did not change the way he was walking. I noticed that Abraham was fervent in verse number 3. The Bible says he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and quaked the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Abraham didn't get lazy while he was waiting on God to provide. But rather, he rose up early in the morning. I want to say this. We have needs and stuff. That's not the time to quit on God. Oh, that's not the time to back up on God. Oh, that's not the time oh, to lay down the sword and quit praying and quit, quit, quit reading the Bible and quit trying to live for the Lord. Abraham went on. He was fervent. No, he was fervent in verse 3. He was faithful in verse 4. Watch what the Bible says. Then on the third day, he walked this journey for three days. Abraham's over 100 years old. I get tired just walking the golf course to get my golf ball. And when I ride, I ride a golf cart. But they won't let you ride the golf cart everywhere. You have to walk. Ain't that horrible? I don't go play golf for exercise. You see all these people out there carrying a 50-pound bag of golf clubs on their back. I'm like, man, I'm here to relax, not to tote golf clubs around. Uh, but uh, can you imagine walking three days with, and it's not, it's not smooth terrain? I mean, they're climbing mountains. They're walking through mountain ranges. But what's Abraham doing? He knows he has a need. He don't know how God's going to meet it. Uh, but until God needs it, I'm just going to be faithful and do what God told me to do the last time I heard from Him. I've said this a hundred times here. You know it. God only told Noah to build the boat one time. He didn't come by every six months and say, Noah, you keep building that ark now. You're doing a good job. Noah didn't hear another word from God until it was, come in to the ark. You know what we want to do? We want God to come by every six months and say, oh, you're doing so good. Six months, every six minutes. Oh, you're doing so good. You're doing all right. You're good. Hey, God will tell you God will tell you one thing, and you do that until He tells you to do something else. Amen. Abraham, he was fervent, and he was faithful. He kept on walking. But watch this. Abraham was focused. The Bible said in verse number 4, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. While he was waiting on God to provide, this is real simple, real practical, don't miss it. While he is waiting on God to provide, Brother David, he's keeping his head up. He's keeping his head up. Why? Because he's looking for that place. He, imagine if he went to the wrong mountain. Imagine he went to the wrong place. He had to keep his head up. And is that what the psalmist said? I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Hey, I don't, I'm telling you this morning, we ought not keep our head down with our bottom lip getting carpet burned. I'm telling you, we ought to keep our head up, lift up our eyes, keep our eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't know how God's going to meet the need. Oh, we don't know how God's going to answer the prayer. Oh, but until He does, I'm going to Keep looking up. His walk did not change. Not only did his walk not change, but notice number two in the text. His work did not compromise. Once they get to the top of Mount Moriah, Abraham's got to do some work. Abraham did not allow the fact that he had a need to hinder him from fulfilling the responsibilities that God had called him to do. Notice two things in this. Notice what he brought. Look at verse number six. 
Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. He's got wood, he's got fire, and he's got a knife. What do those three things represent? Well, that wood represents participation. You can't have a fire without some wood. Where there is no wood, the fire goeth out, is what the book of Proverbs said. So he brought that wood. He's brought something to God. He's got a need, though. But he brought something. He brought that wood for participation, but he brought that fire. That's illumination. It's probably a bucket of coals. He's not carrying around a blazing inferno. It's probably a bucket of coals that he's going to be able to use up there uh, to, together. Uh, maybe some leaves and some kindling around it and begin to blow on it. You know what I'm talking about and get that fire going again. But he's brought some fire with him, but then he has a knife. That's condemnation. What do you bring that knife for? For slaying the flesh. And I'm going to tell you, while you're waiting on God, you better make sure you have that knife of the Word of God. It's a double-edged sword to keep your flesh in check because your flesh will say, this is a waste of time. Uh, you just need to quit. God ain't real. God don't love you. Everything that preacher says is a lie. Everything that Bible says is a lie. You don't need to believe that. You better keep that knife handy. Keep that flesh laid. Somebody help me. Amen. Notice what he brought. Notice what he built. Verse number 9. And they came to the place which God had told above, and Abraham built an altar there. Don't miss this now. He's waiting on God to meet his need, but he still gave great attention to the altar. He did not disregard the altar while he was waiting on God to meet his need. This is so practical it's pitiful, but I hope it's helping somebody. We all have needs here today, but we don't need to neglect the altar. We also don't need to treat God like Santa Claus and only come to Him every time we want something. Amen. We all have, but aren't you glad we can come to Him when we have a need? His walk did not change. His work did not compromise. Number three, his worship did not cease. Abraham's needing and waiting on God to provide. But while he's waiting on God to provide, you know what he's doing? He's still making plans to go on top of Mount Moriah and worship. There's a state of desire in verse number five. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. Here's the state of desire. And worship. But I've got needs. Yeah. Abraham, you got needs, don't you? Yeah, I do. But I'm going to go worship. I'm going to go worship, amen. We all got needs. Am I the only one? Help me out now. We always think of needs as money. And sometimes it is money. But some of you got children. You've got prodigals. You've got loved ones. You've got health issues. You've got, you've got, you've got things staring you in the face. And if, something, if God don't do something, you don't know what's going to happen. We've got needs. Oh, but Abraham, even though he had needs, I'm still going to go worship. I'm not going to re-preach Sunday night's message because you know why he went and worshipped? Because he knew God was worthy of his worship. Because he wanted to worship. The state of desire, the seen devotion, verse number 9. And it came to pass when he came to the place which God had told him of that Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the, on the altar upon the wood. Here's what I mean by this seen devotion. He ain't going halfway. He's laid Isaac on that altar. He's got a need though. But he's not going to come short of what God's asked him to do. Obedience is the secret of the Christian life. Obeying the Word of God, obeying the Spirit of God, doing what the Lord's told you to do. His seen devotion. Here's the last thing. What did Abraham do while he's waiting on God to provide? His walk didn't change. His work didn't cease. Or it didn't compromise. His worship didn't cease. But I like this. His Word did not contradict. Remember what he says in verse number 5? God will provide himself a lamb. God wasn't about to make Abraham a liar up here on that mountain that day. Abraham spoke by faith. 
He, I'm not talking about this name it and claim it, blabbing and grab it crowd you see on TV. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, but he really believed God was going to meet his need. We note the definite proof, verse 11 through 13. He's got that knife back in verse number 10. And in verse, the Bible said, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything under him. For now I know thou fearest God. Sin thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up in the stead for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Here's what happened. Abraham gets up on top of the mountain. He's got a need. He don't know how God's going to meet that need. Oh, but he's going to worship God and he's going to keep on walking and he's not going to compromise his work. And about that time, just in time, oh, when Abraham needed God to show up, God showed up and God made a provision and God made a way and I want to submit to you. It might be at the last second. It might be at the last moment. Oh, but we serve a God who will provide. This principle first mentioned, Brother Gene, it's God doing the providing. Thus, teaching us throughout the Bible, man can't provide. If anything's going to get provided, it's going to have to be God. Well, I work hard. You ought to work hard. The Word of God speaks to that. But God gave you the breath in your lungs and God allows your heart to pump that blood through your body and God gave you that task and that talent and that ability. God is the one providing for you. Definite proof in this text. But then I notice a divine perception. Verse 14. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord, watch it now, it shall be seen. Now I've read that verse wrong for read that verse wrong and interpreted it wrong for years. I've always read it in the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. Well, what shall be seen in the mouth of the Lord? That's not what the text says. You gotta look up what Jehovah Jireh means. It means the Lord will see to it. How many of you country folks know that term? I'll see to it. Somebody say, uh I, I, I maybe call you for a job or something, and, and I'd like for you to do this, fix this. And you know, you know the old time say, I'll see to it. You know what that means? I'll take care of it. I'll see it, I'll perceive it, and I'll take care of that issue. So Abraham's up on Mount Moriah, and he's saying, Praise God. God, we're going to name this from Mount Moriah, chosen by Jehovah. We're going to call this Jehovah Jireh. In the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. In this mount, God saw my need. And God not only saw my need, but God saw to my need. Amen, that's right. God saw my need, but then God saw to my need. Amen. I'm glad God will see to it. God will take care of it. And God will meet it. This ain't, this ain't, I'm not preaching a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, but God is faithful this morning, is He not? I'll tell you this morning, we all, we all wonder, how are we going to pay for this? And how are we going to meet it? But ain't one of us missed a meal? Amen. Ain't, ain't one of us missed a mortgage? Ain't one of us uh, missed a bill? God took care of them all. Uh, you know what? We may not have everything we want, but we have everything we need. You know why? Because God has promised. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know what? You know what I have to learn as a pastor. I can't learn, and I don't mean it's disrespectful. Let's get real for a minute. I can't learn to depend on the church. Church takes care of my takes care of my salary and things of that nature, and I appreciate that. 
And I preach meetings and folks are kind to us, but I can't learn to depend on that. Brother Richie, Miss Asia, y'all fits on the road, you can't depend on churches to take care of you. But a lot of them won't. <laughs> I preach there. <laughs> you can't learn you can't you can't depend on churches to take care of you. Because church because churches are made up of people. Somebody said, Well, all you do is preach is talk about money. Well, ain't that amazing? You know what I'm saying about an electrician? I say all that electrician does is talk about money. All that banker does is talk about money. Well, duh. <laughs> I mean, uh, all they do, well, we don't, it takes money to live. We have bills just like you do, too. They're going to have bills just like you do as well. But you can't depend on church to take care of you because they won't. But if you'll say, God's going to see to it. God's going to see to that need. Amen. I've drove, and I'm not being mean, I've drove places and I ain't got enough money to pay for my gas. But when I got home, I had enough gas to get home. And I had enough money to buy food and had enough money to pay me. You know why? Because I ain't dependent on churches. Some of y'all look at me strange because you're hearing a preacher talk about money. It's real. <laughs> Somebody said, why do preachers talk about money so much? Same way you do. I'm a human just like... I ain't, I ain't no ass on my chest. I ain't Superman. But God sees to it. By the way, you can't depend on church to take care of you and you can't depend on the railroad to take care of you. Because they'll drop you in a New York minute. And you can't depend on on uh, the trailer place that you work at. Uh, uh, um, Clay, I knew that. I was gonna make sure you did. The, amen. You can't depend on that. Take care of you. And Eric, you can't depend on. Well, you don't work. Uh, but uh, what I'm saying, <laughs> you can't depend on the government. To take, no, I'm just kidding. Amen. <laughs> He's retired. He's retired. All right. Uh, you can't depend on. You know why? Because confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and put out of joint. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Amen. Y'all are going to drive out of places and you're going to open up that envelope and it ain't going to be enough to pay for your gas. It's going to happen. And you're going to get your paycheck on Friday and you're going to have a neat bill come up and you're like, how are we going to pay for this? And you're going to have loved ones get sick and you're going to have issues come up. How are we going to fix this? I want to encourage you with this phrase, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. You know why God sought to Abraham? Because Abraham got where he was supposed to. Abraham, God said, Abraham, you get to that place. And if you'll get in your place, you, you hear, if you'll be in your place, God will be in His place. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. God will see to it. We all have needs. Some needs are unexpected. Actually, all needs are unexpected. But I'm glad they don't shock God. They don't come by surprise to God. Circle those words in your Bible. God will provide. God, and when the, and when, and when the issues and the troubles and the trials come to your life, you're like, what are we going to do? You go back to Genesis 22.8 and you read them three words. God will provide. God will provide. I hate I'm preaching this. I know I'm going to have to live this this, this week. I know something's going to happen. Amen. If my AC goes out, I'm going to Eric's house. It's going to get fixed this week. All right? God will provide. Has He not always? You may be down and feel like God has somehow forgotten that you are faced with circumstances you can't get through. Right now it seems that there's no way out and you're going under. But God's proven time and time again He'll take care of you 
And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you've been. Hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you've been. Cause hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. Here's where we're living. You may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. God will provide. God will provide. You get in your place, and God will get in His place. By the way, Abraham didn't see the provision. You know why? It was right behind him. It was a whole lot, and i got to leave this alone, but it was a whole lot closer than what he knew it was. God will provide. Let's stand. I preached 30 minutes this morning. I appreciate your attention. These altars are open. Brother Matthew's going to come play a verse of invitation. Where the Lord